Welcome to Trade Finance Talks, a podcast from Trade Finance Global. During this series, we'll be hearing from global experts, as well as learning about the latest trends, technology and insights in the world of international trade and receivables finance. Episode 112. Rising to the level of partner is a challenge for everybody, frankly, regardless of gender, regardless of anything else that you bring into the mix. So I think it is quite a uh, long road. Hello, and welcome to Trade Finance Talks. My name is Natasha Roston, Head of People and Growth at Trade Finance Global. We are excited to be launching and celebrating our Women in Treasury and Payments campaign for International Women's Day 2023 with a theme of Embrace Equity. The campaign recognizes that certain prejudices, stereotypes and barriers have prevented women from participating and advancing in many areas. This year's campaign pushes allies to enhance social, economic, cultural and political advancement of all women. Though at times these topics can be uncomfortable or difficult to discuss in the workplace, it is increasingly important to tackle these issues head on in order to speed up progress and reach our goal of gender parity sooner. And on that note, TFG are very happy to have Catherine Lang Anderson join us today. Catherine is a partner at Alan Overy, leading the trade and commodities finance team. She'll be sharing her personal experiences and lessons learned as a female leader in the legal industry. So, Catherine, welcome to Trade Finance Talks. Thanks, Natasha. Very happy to be here. Thanks for involving me. Absolute pleasure. So just to kickstart, really, can you give us a brief overview of your professional background and your current position? I am a partner at Alan Lavery. I'm based in our London office and I'm global co-head of our um, trading commodity finance practice. So I do all aspects of trading commodity finance from receivables financing, supply chain finance, commodity finance, structured deals, restructurings, the whole lot really. I've been in London, but work very closely with our teams in Amsterdam and in Paris as well. I've been at A&A for most of my career. I've always been a private practice lawyer. Thank you. And obviously, as you said, you've been Alan Nobry for a while now and you've progressed throughout that firm. As a female leader in the industry, do you think you face the same barriers to rise to the level of partner as men usually do? Rising to the level of partner is a challenge for everybody, frankly, regardless of gender, regardless of anything else that you bring into the mix. So I think it is quite a uh, long road and a tough one at times. I think what I've sort of benefited from in my career was just really you know, when I was getting started did coincide with much more focus on these issues. I think, you know, now we look at diversity, equity and inclusion through quite a big lens, through looking at lots of different sort of areas where that can play out and the intersectionality between those as well. But I think going back sort of a decade or more ago when I was first um, sort of starting to rise up through the ranks, it was really um, the gender piece was becoming a big focus. And that was the first area that got a lot of attention actually on how can we fix things? How can we level the playing field? How can we sort of address the fact that 50% of our intake at grad level women and then that declines sort of up up the chain as you go through the promotion ranks. So I've been a bit of a beneficiary of that. In terms of specific challenges, I think I was quite lucky to be within actually not only a firm that's focused on this stuff, but also my particular group. And there were already a few really impressive female role models that I could look to, that mentored me, that I could talk to. I think that was a good example of sort of, you know, what things changing a bit more rapidly, maybe, the more we can reach a tipping point and see what we want to be. 
hundred percent. And I think touching upon that in sense of having female role models within the company or within the industry or wherever you want to climb is so important. You know, it's all well and good as you say, having the stats or having more of a focus on it, but actually having someone to almost look up to or as a mentor or knowing that you can achieve that, I think is monumental, isn't it? Absolutely. I think it's game changing. Yeah. And I think the important thing to remember is you don't have to find somebody who fits exactly what you want to be in every single aspect, because that's sometimes that's common trap, I think, that people fall into. But rather, can you look to different people? By the way, it doesn't all have to be women. Men too can be great role models, but looking to sort of a variety of more senior people and trying to sort of cherry pick the aspects of how they approach their career and their role, which is aligned to sort of what you might think to look like. What worked quite well for me is being pretty upfront about how I wanted to do things. And it wasn't particularly, I didn't particularly follow a mould in that sense. And especially in a law firm, sometimes that can feel to try something new maybe sometimes doesn't always feel the most easy way to go about things but long term it's really worked for me so for example when I came back from maternity leave 10 years ago now I came back on a part-time basis I came back flexibly and I've worked flexibly ever since at the time it was seen as very uh, novel very game-changing there's lots of interest in whether it could work some degree of skepticism from some corners but I think having never regretted taking that approach I think it's quite interesting coming out of COVID actually that's things that I was doing to try and balance work and family life like working from home a couple of days a week mm-hmm. and now actually pretty normal and most people can take advantage of that sort of arrangement without it needing to be a sort of special arrangement it's interesting how the obviously the pandemic has brought that to light more and in a sense there were global changes and advancement i'd be curious to see if this more flexible working has had an impact or it's possibly too soon to tell i know you're saying when you started 50 percent of grad level there was an equal split but in your opinion has there been substantial progress in gender equity within law firms and can you give examples of these positive changes I think, yes, I think there has. I think the challenge is, and this is what requires a degree of patience, not my strong point personally, but um, is that obviously with fixing this, you've got to start looking across the whole pipeline, right? I mean, the point is it takes years to develop for a lawyer, for example, to come in as grad and develop up into a partner that takes, you know, half a career. How can you track that progress? Because it's, it takes years to get it right before you see the people that have really benefited from changes coming through. Mm. So I think what we've tried to do really is look across the whole spectrum of our employee base. How are we supporting people at all stages of their career? We've got to get in there early and be sort of consistent in our approach. Thank you for that. And I suppose then on that point, can you give an example where you think the legal industry still needs to improve? Look, I think um, we need to improve in every aspect. Now, I think we've done brilliantly. I think we've made great strides, but there is so much more work to do. So just sort of looking at it through a bit of a bigger lens, we try and approach the whole idea of diversity, equity and inclusion through sort of five pillars. So obviously gender, we've mainly focused on that in this conversation. That's one race and ethnicity, LGBTQ+, disability, and social mobility. But then we sort of evolved our thinking, and now we're really focused on the intersectionality of all that. So do we really want to be putting people in boxes and sub-boxes and further dividing people? Of course, there's a place for sort of focused support and affinity groups and communities and, and working groups. Of course, there is. But equally, the point of all of this stuff is actually to bring people together and to remove barriers. You know, we're talking about equity, it's about levelling the playing field, it's about removing obstacles. And sometimes by creating more division, you're doing the opposite of that. 
So I think where we need to do more work and when we've really started, just looking at all this stuff in the round and realising that, you know, every individual strand, we haven't got the silver bullet for any of it, frankly, but we are doing so much better. It's a positive story, but we've got to keep the momentum going. I've got to really challenge each other on it. Thank you for that. I feel almost with every solution, there seems to be a plethora of problems or complexities with it. And you overlay that right in our organisation and many of our Listeners, organisations, probably whether it's law firms, banks, you know, corporates, a lot of in the trade world, of course, um, by its very nature, what we do is quite global. Mm. So you add that layer on as well, because all of these five pillars that I've talked about, there is a completely different cultural overlay in different regions of the world, sometimes a different legal landscape, which changes how you need to approach things as well. There's no one size fits all and it's, it's incredibly complex. I think the main thing to remember in all of this is just be able to listen. And having the conversations. Yeah, and not shying away from it. If people are are serious about this stuff, then don't shy away from having the conversation because you're worried about saying the wrong thing. That's totally counterproductive. Yeah, I think that's very poignant and also really, I suppose, strikes home in terms of why we're doing this campaign, because for so long issues, and you're right, like obviously in terms of equity, we're focusing on gender for this campaign, but equity for all, we generally do mean that, you know, at TFG, our whole mission is really to remove barriers to trade, really touches on all those five pillars you, you mentioned before. But being able to listen, I said to everyone in your community, everyone in your team, as diverse as possible. And the more that we can listen, the more that we can grow and help build and almost learn together, can't we? Absolutely, yeah. And I'm glad, I'm really glad we're talking about equity specifically. I guess if you think about it, we used to talk about diversity. And then it was diversity and inclusion. And now it's diversity, equity and inclusion. Mm. And I think the E is actually the most fundamental part of all of it. If you can get that right, if you can create a level playing field, if you can remove barriers, if you can acknowledge that not everybody is coming at things from the same place, then I think, you know, the diversity piece and the inclusion piece flow very nicely from that. Agreed. I think it encompasses the awareness and the problem solving almost hand in hand, doesn't it? Absolutely. Yeah. And I know you acknowledged in terms of our listeners, they won't all be from law firms. As you said, they could be from a wide spectrum. You know, women across all industries face systemic issues during their careers. And often we discuss how day-to-day challenges may go unaddressed or people might not feel comfortable to speak out, etc. What would you say from your experience are like common or everyday issues that many women do have to deal with? It was interesting, actually, yesterday we were talking to a uh, behavioral scientist who was really interesting with some of your colleagues as well, actually. When, um, she was sort of, It's always interesting to go back and hear this stuff because she was sort of saying, you know, we have obviously these ingrained maybe ways of thinking. It's no one's fault particularly, but it's those sort of unconscious biases or those ways of thinking of the world that you've got to really acknowledge and get to grips with. And one of them apparently when they've done studies and things is that, you know, often women can be seen as competent or likable but maybe not both. That was quite interesting. I was going to ask the audience on that one whether they thought I was competent or likable, but I <laughs> decided I didn't want to know the answer to <laughs> But there is that kind of thing. I think sometimes women are. What she was saying as well is that the magic number is about 30% representation. So if you are in a group, and we're talking about gender here, but I think this is probably relevant to other characteristics too, 30% is the point at which that group becomes the sort of problem goes away to a degree. So say you have in our example of a law firm, 10 partners, apparently she was saying if, if one partner is a woman, then that's seen as the token woman, the representative of all women, which a lot of us women have been there one way or another in, in whatever form it is. It's quite a heavy 
responsibility to speak for 50% of the population. And then apparently the idea is that if there were two women, they would be seen as colluding. So that's not healthy either. And that's the perception of the group, according to these sort of organisational behavioural principles. But it's only when there would be three in that group of 10 that the situation is more normalised, is mixed, and that tipping point has been reached. And I thought that was quite interesting and probably pretty accurate. I think in my own um, sort of group, you know, the way that we have our internal way of organising things at AMA. Our group, actually, we are equal men and women um, in our group of partners. And actually, it, ha- it really has, the issue, frankly, has gone away for us as a group. And we have to keep reminding ourselves that we're in a bit of a bubble there. And it's not the same in all groups. Very interesting. I've never heard of the 30% as the um, magic number. Yeah, it makes sense, doesn't it, though? Because I think the obvious goal and the, the ultimate goal, say for us as a firm, would be to be at 50% representation across the business from intake to leadership positions. Now, not just partners, but actually members of the board and, and people with global leadership roles. But what we think and what science seems to support is that once you get to 30%, this will happen a bit more naturally. I suppose it also links back to what you said earlier in the sense of having role models, because then if 30% include maybe more a variety of figures, then again, that might encourage more. So it's almost spurring. And as you said, the word momentum, I think is really important here. It helps continue that. Whereas if it's one, as you said, it's so almost looks obviously tokenized. It's almost counterproductive, I would say, because it's like you're not really fulfilling. doesn't seem to be genuine belief behind it. Once you get to bigger numbers, it fixes the problem I was talking about before, which is people worrying about finding one role model that Mm. ticks all the boxes. Because suddenly if you can see a multitude of role models, all of who are successful. And hopefully, you know, at our round table, that'll be a great example of that. A bunch of women who have all been very successful, probably all very different people, mm. very different approaches, very different career paths even, not necessarily linear. And that suddenly just then does open up a range of role models, to, as I said, to sort of pick and choose from. And I think that also helps in terms of having different people because it's also showing hang on, as you said, everyone's had a different journey here. Everyone's got a different perspective. Let's also get out of this horrible, like 50-50, like almost gendered stereotype box. So this is what a woman would feel or would be represented, which I think kind of, again, goes back to the importance of everyone sharing their experiences. By everyone telling their story, you're able to begin to tackle these unconscious biases as you deemed before in terms of this is what a woman in the workplace would feel. And I'm going to label her like that and just keep her in this box for whatever purpose. And it, it dawns on me when you're talking about that, because it's about the idea that we're almost all born with a map and our understanding of the world. As we learn more, our map kind of gets formed with everything we learn and everything we know. And either as an adult, you then keep this fixed map, be like, this is my, as we would say, unconscious bias. This is what I know about life and I keep it like this. Or as you learn more about the world, you're willing to be like, oh, hang on, this changes. I might not have been educated on this or this wasn't the culture I came from, but hang on, there's something new here. I need to almost rewrite my map. I need to expand it and, you know, picturing it, almost getting more colour and expanding it as you go along. And I suppose that's, if we can almost encourage everyone to go back to like their own preconceived maps or their preconceived understanding of the world and say, hang on a second, what you knew or what you thought was the issue for a lot of these different facets for a lot in terms of diversity in terms of having equity for all maybe what you knew wasn't quite right or actually maybe we can make yeah. it better actually let's go back to the map or the drawing board let's listen to people let's see how we can open our eyes and understand what's going on and I think especially in terms of for the women in trade campaign which we're talking about today and gender equity embracing that which for me means almost being a bit uncomfortable with some of these conversations to actually hear and to learn and then we can to progress and take action is really crucial I think that's so important I think if I think of some of the best leaders 
that I know, they're all able to do that, to go back and think, oh, hang on a minute, my thinking's really evolved on this. Or I wasn't listening to, you know, people who actually know what they're talking about on what it's like to be like this, open to changing my views and evolving my thinking. And I think that's incredibly powerful and, and important. You know, when you're saying that, the, the immediate thought that I had was actually our thinking on race. So I think if I think about my team and, and how we were looking at this, I think a few years ago, we were just all of the lazy assumption that, well, we're not racist. Of course we're not. There's no issue with race for us. You start thinking, hang on a minute, why don't we have more black partners? What's going on there? And we've really evolved our thinking on how much work we have to do on race. It's so lazy just to merrily think, of course, we don't have an issue. We do have an issue, not just us, the, the, uh, the legal industry as a whole does and sort of the wider world does as well. So we've been doing much more work on that. We've set hard targets in London because, again, race is obviously quite local. You have to look at it quite localised in terms of what the issues are. So in London, we've set targets for how we want to see black representation increase in the partnership and in other layers across the firm. We are going to held ourselves to account on that. We've introduced loads more work support, chances to celebrate our role models on that front. And to think that we this is all relatively new in the last few years that we've really started doing that. It's interesting once you go into exploring like the perspectives or almost like trying to take away that privileged point of view and then see from all angles how there's so much more to do and we're talking about equity for all and especially we're talking about equity for all women that includes women as you said of different racial backgrounds different socioeconomic backgrounds different religious backgrounds that's the other funny one isn't it what I was saying about intersectionality and how important it is to look at things in the round and not just sort of do I have to be in my woman box today or social mobility but you know it's all pieces of the puzzle at least we could say now, okay, we're having these conversations. And again, speaking from you as definitely a role model for many in terms of you know, a female partner, to be honest and to share your reflections and help really get the ball rolling, I'd say, to encourage others to do the same. And that's really, for us, like one of the key drivers for this. We don't want this campaign to just be for International Women's Day. We don't want it to just be for March. The idea is to really create ripples for change. We want to encourage others across the industry genuinely to embrace equity, for women to speak up and really for men to stand up as allies. Thank you so much, Catherine. It's been an absolute privilege talking to you today. Not at all. And I'm delighted um, to have this conversation. And look, I think I would end on a really positive note, right? Because we have got a lot of work to do. We know that we have to work together. We have to work together as a, as a community in the trade and commodity finance space. But if you think about how far we've come in a relatively short space of time, I think it's pretty amazing and occasions like this do give you a chance to look up from the work and think about it with a bit more perspective. When I went to my first big international trade finance conference about 10 years ago, it was two days, two solid days of speakers in a big auditorium and you know not a single woman was on the stage the whole two days apart from to come up and pull a name out of a hat to see who'd won an iPad. That was it, two days. And I couldn't believe it. But then when I pointed it out to people, no one really had noticed it until I pointed it out, which was the second layer of, I can't believe this, what kind of an industry of myself into here, you know, it's in the earlier days of my career. And look at the change now. I mean, you've pulled together an amazing group of impressive women. You've got your 100 women in mm. trade, like the sea change of, the way that we have visible role models who are up there speaking on stages, incredibly impressive. And so like great in number now, actually, that's great progress. For sure. And it's lovely to end on a positive, as you say, we can always critique and we know there's more to go. We know we're still in the journey, but reflecting how far we've come is important too. And I think 
I don't know if you've read it, but one of my favorite books is called The Road Less Traveled. Hopefully can make us feel really positive in terms of the changes that we can make within the next few years. Absolutely. Yeah. And with that springboard, who knows what kind of change we can achieve next. Thank you so much, Catherine. Thank you so much for your time. Thanks so much, Natasha. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Trade Finance Talks. Be sure to subscribe to our podcasts at tradefinanceglobal.com.